0: You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Next Trek podcast. Every week, we dive in to the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery and give our thoughts on the final
1: frontier. My name is Chris. I'm Tyler. And I'm Kate. And this week we've got with us a special guest. We've had him on the podcast before. This is uh, Keith DeCandido. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Excellent. Well, what have you been up to this, uh, these days?
2: Oh, writing a ridiculous amount of stuff like usual. Um, I've got actually three new novels out this year. Um, wow. One, uh, one's a, it's a, an urban fantasy, starting a new urban fantasy series. It's called The Furnace Sealed, which is mm-hmm. the first in The Adventures of Brom Gold, which is about a, a nice Jewish boy from the Bronx who hunts monsters. Nice. And, i love it and and coming in june is the latest in my precinct series which is my fantasy police procedural um series uh mermaid precinct which will which is the latest after dragon precinct unicorn precinct Goblin precinct and griffin precinct uh finally after four years i, I got that book done uh well, is that be the one that was kickstarted? yes yes
1: yep. i remember um, that one and, and
2: and I still have to send the copies to the Kickstarter supporters. And thank you for reminding me that I haven't done that yet.
0: Um <laughs> <I> <laughs> we're here for. <laughs>
2: but um, it's been very busy. Uh, and then in July, I've got an Alien novel coming out. This is my first time, Ooh, my first oh, novel solid. in the Alien uh, franchise, uh, just in time for the uh, 40th anniversary of the first movie. It's uh, it's called Alien Isolation, which is part, about two thirds of novelization of the 2014 video game.
1: Yeah. And
2: about one third Ripley family backstory.
3: Oh, cool. wow.
1: Yeah. That I, I played that game. That is a, uh, that is one of the scarier games that I've played. It is just cause you're never sure when something is about to jump right out at you and make you pee your pants.
2: <laughs> the, the, the odds are pretty good that something's going to jump out at you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a nasty game and, and, and it was, I really enjoyed the character of Amanda Ripley and, yeah. and the both, but, bo- uh, 20th Century Fox um and their new Disney overlords um yeah. and 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 both Dark Horse and Titan books are committed to doing they're, they've, they're, there's a whole bunch of different stories they're doing with the character of Amanda Ripley as well as uh, Zula Hendrix, who's a character that was created for the Dark Horse comic uh, Resistance um and there's I've got besides my novel there's a Zula Hendrix novel coming out from Tim Wagner out later this year uh as well as the Resistance comic currently that teams them up so it's uh the, the, those two characters are really being uh, heavily developed in the tie-in fiction. And it's really fun being a part of that. So. Nice. And I've got stories out. Um, I had one out in an anthology called release the virgins earlier this year. Um, and, and I've got uh, one coming out soon in an anthology called unearthed. And then I got three coming out in July. Uh, wow. All of which are going to be debuting at the short convention, which is a star Trek convention held in the, in the Baltimore area in early July. Wow. Uh, one Uh, One is called Footprints in the Stars, which is uh, about um, evidence of alien life that people find. Uh, One is called uh, the latest Brave New Girls anthology, which is about uh, young women who are involved, who do science. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Adventures of Gals and Gizmos. And I'm going to have a story in that. Actually, both those two anthologies are going to have the same main character. uh, A young woman named Connie De La Vega. And then the third one, uh, is one that will be of particular interest to Star Trek fans because it is edited by Bob Greenberger, who used to oh, the yeah. writers, edit the DC Comics um, and has written a lot of Star Trek fiction as well as a recent uh, history of Star Trek. Uh, Bob Bob put together a pulp anthology called Thrilling Adventure Yarns. And uh, <laughs> it's all pulp stories. And uh, a bunch of people who are familiar to uh, uh, Star Trek uh, novel readers will will... Uh, are in it, including David Mack, Michael Jan Friedman, Peter David, myself, um, Aaron Rosenberg, uh, and Derek Tyler Attico, uh, a bunch of other people I'm forgetting. But uh, they're all pulp stories. And the best of all, there's an unpublished, previously unpublished story by Lester Dent, who is the guy who created Doc Savage. And Bob was actually a, 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 uh, a, a short story of his that had never been published. And um, so that'll be out in July as well. Um a little yeah, a little bit. I, too, I, got a
0: few. <laughs> I was about to say you need to get to work, man. You you are you're, you're slacking yeah. off. It seems like you need to get more <laughs> on your you need to be doing more. Yeah, I
2: really should be wasting my time talking to you people. I Six
0: know, I know, close. that's right. That's right. what are do you doing here? But that's <laughs> why we pay you but the big here. bucks to be
2: right? One other thing I should mention, uh, because it segues nicely into what we're talking about, is yeah. that I also read about culture for tour.com.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do.
2: Uh, I've been doing a rewatch of every live action uh, movie based on a superhero comic book. Yep. Uh, I'm, I've, I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. And uh, by, by the end, by, by the end of this year, I will have run out of movies. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, you know, I I can wait a year and then there'll be 10 more. So, right. um, uh, By, by, by the end of, I've, 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 just recently did um, uh, the DC Extended Universe. I just finished that, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't, except for Shazam, which I'm saving for later in the year. But I did uh, Man of Steel and then Dawn of Justice and then uh, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, Justice League, and Aquaman. And uh, um, as of we were recording, I'm not sure what it'll be by the time this goes live. And in addition to that, I've also been (laughs) writing Star Trek for Tor.com since twenty eleven. I've done rewatches of uh, next generation of the original series of Deep Space Nine. And um and then more recently I've been reviewing each episode of Star Trek Discovery as it's yeah. released.
3: Mm-hmm. It's nice. yeah. yeah, i read you on Tor.com. I'm a regular Tor.com reader and it's Same. like I oh, you know him. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't wait to dive in and, and talk to you about season two. I, I, it, it's, it's definitely, it feels almost, it just like a lot to talk about. So yeah. um, I'm excited to see your thoughts because I know what these guys think, but I, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to hear wh- 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 where you're coming from. So this is going to be good, a, a good conversation, I think.
1: All right, well, let's, let's dive in, actually, just now while we're at it. This is, this is a, a hunk of stuff. I'm, I'm kind of thinking we're going to hit the highs and the lows of the season. We'll look at themes. We'll look at uh, at best episode, weakest, all that fun stuff. But this isn't like a ranking kind of a thing, so we can kind of let it go um, as organic as we'd like. But let's just get ourselves started with um, thoughts on the season overall. And yeah. like we've said, you know, we've, we've heard from us. So, Keith, what are your thoughts on the season? Where does it stack up with season one or just in general?
2: Uh, overall, I think it was an improvement on season one, partly because it addressed some of the problems with season one. Yeah, um, and it just everybody it it felt like everything was a little bit more together. Uh, mm-hmm. The first season was kind of all over the place in a lot of ways. Um, and and they they fixed some of the problems uh, with it uh, and and reversed one of the particularly dumb things they did in season one, which was which was the killing of Culber.
3: Yes. But, yes. Um
2: uh, and and in particular uh it was it was nice to see Discovery as, as something other than a warship since it was obviously not meant to be that. Yeah. Um and and I liked seeing that. And uh and I liked the use of in the first season the callbacks to most of the callbacks to other Star Trek things felt gratuitous, to say the least. I mean, we didn't need to have Harry Mudd there. It could have been anybody. Right. Um, yet the the, the connection uh, Burnham has to to Sarek and his family just, just didn't seem necessary um, to the character. Having said that, the first season did do one wonderful bit of tying into uh, the original series by putting a whole new spin on Journey to Babel when we found out that um, Sarah kept Burnham out of Vulcan space school or whatever it was um, so that Spock could have a spot and then Spock didn't take it, um, which absolutely. did a wonderful job of adding texture to it. They That that only really happened that one time in the first season. The second season did a lot more of that and it did it really well. In mm-hmm. particular, um, linking to the Menagerie and the Cage.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, both the frame, both fun. Both
2: the original Cage episode and the framing sequence of the Menagerie um besides the obvious which was which was when pike got to see what the future had in store for him um there were little things one of the problems i always had with the menagerie framing sequence was that um spock just basically was a complete and total criminal in that um you know he kidnapped a captain he he assaulted several Starfleet officers and then violated General Order No. 7. The only thing he was actually forgiven for was violating General Order No. 7. The whole <laughs> part about having a captain and faking orders. Nobody mentioned that. Yep. But mm-hmm. he did that too. And the fact that Pike, in in the second season of Discovery, went to such great lengths to clear Spock of the murder charges he was under helps m- make that make a little bit more sense. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, well, And, that, and also... That,
1: even with that that Spock wasn't the first one in his family to be to commit mutiny and to all these other things as well. It almost even seems like a weird family trait that the that the Sarek family has.
2: <laughs> yes. But, mm-hmm. And and obviously the characters of, of Pike and uh Spock recast and number one all recasts as they were with, with Ethan Peck and, and Anson Mount and Rebecca Ramin was was beautifully done um mm-hmm. pike in particular i oh. one of the things I, I mentioned this in my in my summary of the uh of the second season on tour.com is that the main difference between season one and season two even though the captain isn't the main character in discovery Burnamist uh and isn't even you know the second or third character but the but the captain of the ship still informs the tone of the show yes totally yeah um, and and we've had in essence three different captains now because in the first season you had lorca from most of the season, and then once we found out that it was Lorca's evil twin Skippy, um, <laughs> then uh, Saru was in charge of the ship for yep. basically the last several episodes of the season, and there was a change there. Mm-hmm. Um, on Lorca's ship, nobody would sit with Burnham in the mess hall, on Saru's ship, everybody went to sit with Tyler, yes, right, oh, um, yes. and and that was it. In the set, in the second season, we get yet another uh shift in having Pike in charge, and Pike's much more relaxed command style much friendlier command style has a cascade effect on the rest of the crew Mm -hmm. Um, the the ship is a it's a friendlier place than it was in the first season and part of that is because there isn't a war on yes
1: but part of it is also the tone that pike sets
0: yeah no totally totally agree
1: with you on that i think let's dig into pike i think honestly i i would rather talk about pike than a lot of the other things in the season (laughs) Um, just (laughs) uh and and i i you know what i was i was gonna do that and then and then i thought we haven't given our thoughts unless Kate and Chris. Do you guys want to give your overall thoughts of the season, and then let's pick up a Pike. Because I, I just I, want to talk about. I, that.
0: I want to just pick up on one point that Keith just made because I think I totally agree, and maybe I'm expounding on this. And I'm obviously I don't want to put uh, words in Keith's mouth, but one of the no- things I've noticed is that um, season one, I really felt like Discovery was trying to um, kind of mark its own place, kind of do something brand new and different, um, maybe even shock. Um, you know, in its, uh, in its formatting and, and its storytelling. Absolutely. And season two seems to be much more embracing the world that is Star Trek and actually say, you know what? Yeah, we, now we are, we, we've created these characters, we've built this world, and now let's go ahead and actually embrace the, uh, the greater uh, world building that has been done over the decades of, of Star Trek. Star Trek them and I feel like season two was a much more embracing not only of the character and them getting more comfortable and confident with the storytelling but also with like it becoming and actually feeling like Star Trek uh, to me so that something seems familiar I guess and it's not always a bad thing to do different things I think season one um, still was did a great job but I think season two just is more confident, I think, um, in its storytelling. And I I just really, I and mean, we're going to talk about Pike a lot, but um, I think that really, that tone shift, that tonal like, hey guys, listen, we do understand what Star Trek is. We were just yeah. trying to do something different with season one. And I felt like, oh, okay, yeah. I feel confident and comfortable in the, these creators' hands that they know where they're going where they're headed and they're giving us something um worthwhile so i i really think the confidence was shown in the kind of storytelling season two um and i i totally enjoyed that um just from my perspective
1: anyway so yeah Mm -hmm. kate what about you
3: um i said a lot about what i think about season two in previous episodes but i think i want to draw out um this time um i feel like season two really went a long way in addressing a lot of the um, inherent sexism of the previous Star Trek shows. That, you know, there were good points to them, but women were still frequently the way they were addressed. Or the way Kirk related to women—they were frequently um, objects of of conquest or to fawn over—and we have so many strong, interesting women throughout this season. Um, there's even a couple points of you know telling the women to stop talking. You know, th- they really hit some of those things that are very sensitive for women uh, that we get in real life. And so um, I really appreciated that as I was doing my rewatch that throughout this yeah. season we don't just have our token female character. We have many representing an entire spectrum of, of, you know, morals of careers of, of different strengths. Uh, there's, there's a, a great deal that they did well here. And uh, further on in our conversation, uh, I want to address also um, the mother theme that is throughout this season as well, because I think uh, I've, I've developed my thoughts enough to really talk about that um, for this hmm. conversation. So yeah. those are my overall thoughts for uh season two.
2: There's there's there was an interesting um uh thing that uh Jara Hodge, who uh does the um uh Trekky Feminist website, mm. um and she she went through every single episode of every single Star Trek series to see which ones passed the Bechtel Wallace test, which is basically oh, yeah. named women talk to each other about something other than a man.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: So far. Discovery has managed to pass it in every single episode.
0: Are you serious?
2: I didn't realize until, until Jarrah posted it. Um, and, and, and by the way, to, to Kate's point before, uh, the original series, the percentage of episodes that passed the Becca wallace test is 8.8%. <laughs> <laughs> which is honestly higher than I thought it that's, was. That yeah. is higher than I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's
0: true. I, um, yeah, that's Voy-
2: Voyager I mean. <laughs> obviously has the most, which, which isn't sure, just because um, the lead character is female. Uh, and the same thing with Discovery. Not only is the, ma- uh, the lead character female, but, but several of the supporting characters are as well. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, with, I mean, with Voyager, between um, the captain, the chief engineer, and um, uh, whatever Seven of Nine was,
0: uh, <laughs> That's right. know, there, there, <laughs> were,
2: there were <laughs> lots of occasions where they had to talk about things other than, you know, men. Um, mm-hmm. and, and DS9 always passed it quite regularly. I mean, one of the things I loved about the characters of both yeah. Kuri, they talked about all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> yes.
0: That's but, insane. Uh, that, that, that's incredible to me, though that it, it it is past. You're saying every episode. I mean, I, I,
2: I, that's what that's what she posted. I have not. I I haven't like seen. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the work and the, ex, you know, the, the episode, episode breakdown, I'm sure it's posted somewhere. Um, I just happened to see that today. So, um, it, it,
0: and it makes sense too. I mean, obviously just in the context of the show, but there's so many things right now in like modern pop culture that feels like they're trying to force feminism. I don't want to point fingers at, you know, like in game. Um, but there seems like there's, you know, there's moments in, in, in movies that just try and like, hey guys, look what we're doing and kind of we shine a light on it on
1: the yeah exactly that's what and this happens
0: this doesn't feel that way at all it actually feels gener- like, generic like uh, it, it feels um like it is uh it happens naturally you know what i mean it happens uh, like that's the way it should be this, is, this right. yeah. is obvious
2: the 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 best way to do diversity i have found is to just do it and not draw attention to it <laughs> that's right and, yes. and one of the things i like about discovery is that it doesn't draw attention to it yes uh, yes know, you've, you've got a diverse crew that just happened to be a diverse crew. Um, and it isn't, I mean, th- honestly, that's what the original series did really well too. It for did, really. for 1966, that was incredibly radical. Yeah. Um, having, having, you know, an African-American person, an Asian person and a Russian person working on the bridge with the white folks, not to mention the pointy-eared alien guy, right. was yeah. incredibly at the height of the cold war and, and the height of civil rights unrest and the, and the height of the Vietnam war, you know, yeah. that, that, was huge and nobody ever drew attention the closest they came to drawing attention to it was was checkup always saying that something's a russian invention yeah, right. nobody took that seriously anyway including Chekhov.
1: right so right. or mccoy being a more than a little bit racist to spock but like <laughs> yes <laughs> that's true but, um, that's true but but
2: the, but in terms of of the interactions among the humans that uh, was yeah. m- incredibly uh radical uh, yeah at the time. And, and 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 part of why it worked was that it never the fact that Sulu was Asian never came up. The closest Ever. was uh, Samurai once on, in in, in, in Yeah, um, you know uh, the the that was it. Um, it was the same thing on on Deep Space Nine later. Where you have yep. and in fact, it's interesting if you look at the history of science fiction television. The number of shows that have a non-white lead is vanishingly small, but two of them yeah. are Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh,
3: good Deep
1: point. Space
2: Nine and Discovery uh, and Battlestar Galactica, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good point. Hmm. There are a few others, um, but uh, Minority Report also, uh, but, uh, and, and one or two, other, but the vast majority of, of the, the main lead character is almost always a white person, whether yeah. male or female. And in most science fiction shows, even, even ones that have a diverse cast. Um, but I, I, one of the things I admire about discovery is that they don't make a big deal out of it. It's just, these are all, these are the people here. They are, we've got, we've got our, we've got different, you know, the uh, genders, different colors, different sexual orientations, different neural, uh, neural setup in terms of, you know, uh,
3: Neurodiversity. Per- yeah.
2: Thank you, neurodiversity was the word I was looking for and couldn't find. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, you know, every and, and you've got all sorts of, of different types of people all working together. Yes. Um, it was a great line Emily Asher Perrin had. Uh, Emily writes for Twitter.com, but uh, she actually said it on Twitter, and I want to get the quote right, so I'm gonna need to look it up. But it's uh, it basically is is one of the things she particularly loved, loves about um, Discovery is that's not the one i'm gonna find it i want to get the quote right
3: well you're looking for that it is uh
2: it is important to me that we praise one of the many things that star trek discovery does better than any of the treks before it tapping into the sheer joy that is just look at all these nerds solving puzzles together they live (laughs) for this shit
0: (laughs) absolutely and that's true
2: or as Spock put it, I like science. Yeah.
0: I like science. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: And, and, it's a, understated
0: and, it, and they can yeah. be nerdy about it too, which is so fun. Like, it's so interesting because oftentimes in those moments, they just need to look cool. And you know, the actual response to uh, is actually very, very often like that's the power of math people. You oh, know yes. what I mean? Like, like all that stuff is wonderfully like, pitch perfect because not only is that exciting for the characters but us as the audience because we can actually put ourselves into that position and be like that's what I would say I would say that nerdy uncomfortable thing really <laughs> awkward moment you know what I mean that that's me you know
1: well and I that's that's what Star Trek has always had they've always yeah. had very competent nerdy people like come on Scotty is you know is is very good at what he does Jordi yeah. is very good at what he does all these other things but we've never and and honestly we've never highlighted that other than just Scotty's a miracle worker or Jordy's a miracle worker. Yeah. But even it's almost weirdly, and I think the best way acknowledging the influence that it's had, you can, you read the number of of astronauts or, or engineers or whoever who say yeah. I did this because of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost putting a button on it, not saying how awesome are we Star Trek, but just saying, Hey, you can say I like science and that's actually fine. <laughs>
0: yeah. But well, yeah. should we should we dive into more specifics? Here? I feel like we're getting so generic.
1: I, just, uh, I just talk Pike <laughs> like, for right now. All right, yeah, let, let's do I that. Let's, talk let's, let's
0: let's do Pike. That Get sounds great.
1: All right, uh, Keith, just uh, you. We've already hinted at this just a little bit, but um, but where are you on on Pike on on the rebrand with Anson Mount? Uh, not the rebrand, the recasting with Anson Mount, and uh, just Pike and what he brought to the to the bridge. It was. I was nervous at first because the only thing I'd seen Anson Mountain was the,
2: was the Inhumans, which was terrible. Yes, um, it was, so, it really having was. Having said that, I mean, it wasn't necessarily his fault, especially since I've seen Serinda Swan and other things and she wasn't terrible, like yeah. she wasn't. So I thought there was at least a chance. And if nothing else, he looks right. He looks very much, yes. he has the same basic facial structure as uh, Jeffrey Hunter. And he had me from about two seconds into Brother, um, yes. as soon as he came on board. Um, I mean, I, I liked the clips that I'd seen, but you, you can never always trust the clips. Um, but everything from uh, what particularly got me was the moment he asked everybody to introduce themselves on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: yes, which we had never gotten in a season; we yeah. didn't know these guys' names.
2: I mean, one of the things I like about Discovery is that the bridge crew aren't really that important. I mean, I mean, they're yes. important. They're not major. They're not the major, the main cast of the show. They're 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 secondary characters, um, and. I, 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 like, I like that about it. But having said that, it was nice that we got a little bit more of them uh, this season. Um, and, and, and that started with Pike, you know, having them all introduce themselves. And, and little things like, you know, Awassican being part of a Luddite community and, and yeah. her, her pilot's license when she was 12.
0: And <laughs> I want to
2: know that story. Right? <laughs> right. I know. How does she reach all the controls she's <laughs> um but uh and and so so I, he had me there and i just love the the relaxed charisma it's it's different from all the other captains we've seen so far which was, was which was an important thing to do because you know each captain has to have their own personality you don't just want a carbon copy um and he had a, a, a kind of relaxed demeanor, but that wasn't, that was friendly without being, I don't want to say weak, but, but just, he wasn't too buddy buddy with everybody. You still, there was still yeah. no doubt that he was in charge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. But he's, uh, he's the kind of supervisor that I've always preferred to have, which is one who just lets people do what they do best and not get in their way too much.
0: He's yeah. yeah. confident without being smug. He's yes. He's willing yeah. to let other uh, people who are better, do the job because he knows they're better not because he's trying to show off or to you know get his way. It, it that that for that kind of leadership is such a refreshing like contrast between what we got from Lorca last season that it was almost like oh, oh okay yeah we're we're literally they're literally giving us the, the exact, exact opposite Lorca. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and and
2: and he's he's somebody who's going to come from a place of compassion who's going to yes. come from a of trying to help people and save as many lives as possible, yes. without any hesitation. You know, we're not going to have a case where, like, you know, oh well, we Admiral Cornwell was just taken by the Klingons. Oh well, yeah. which, which <laughs> what we got Larka. Um, You know, or not rescuing Mud, which, which I mean, all turned out to be hints that lorca was, yeah, you know, right, said he was. But, um, but even so, that was that. Like I said earlier, that set the tone.
1: Uh, Pike set a much more <laughs> appropriately Starfleet tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and totally. i feel like he's he's a blend in some of the best ways of of picard and kirk or or something like that where he's got maybe not the ambassadorial part of, of picard where he's that supervisor who just kind of lets people do their thing but he's also the kind of adventuring adventuring guy who embodies starfleet ideals um of kirk you know proto next generation starfleet ideals i i pike is just yeah, i think he's actually may have knocked kirk out of out of my my spot for <laughs> for my favorite captain right behind picard but it, it which which feels blasphemous but i'm letting it happen because i love it <laughs>
0: you're letting it happen that's awesome i love well, it he, did, he just he he perfectly inhabited the
2: role he yes
1: um, felt and, so and
2: easy what i especially liked was his you knew exactly what he was feeling in every scene
3: mm-hmm. yeah
2: um you know you always you knew exactly where you stood with him you knew um, what, what emotion was going through his head at any particular point.
0: And I think one of the, 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 mo- the key moments, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Keith, but one no. of the key moments for that is um, in New Eden when he jumps on the oh. phaser that's about to explode. You, yes. that, that moment through action tells you so much about his character, about his uh, willingness to sacrifice self mm-hmm. to improve the lives of others. I mean, that's, that's great storytelling. It's, it's showing, not telling, and that was yep. fantastic
2: and and I think it, it was at its best in if memory serves when yeah when when Venus shows up yes yeah, the number crazy. of different conflicting emotions yes. running across Mount's face at that point was just amazing yep. and then the 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 goodbye Vina, where he wouldn't he couldn't even like look at her mm. yeah because he knew if he looked
0: at her, he was toast. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just great acting. I mean, they got
2: a yes. perfect...
0: Uh, yes. The character was well-written. The character's well-placed. But the actor, on top of that, just made for this, like, magic. I mean, honest, just like, wow. Like, why are we getting rid of this guy? Can't we keep yep. him? Isn't there a way to clone him somehow and allow him to fall <laughs> You know what I mean? There's got to be something that we can do to keep the timeline going, but keep keep my pike. You know what I mean? I, I, I genuinely hope, and I mean... I, they
2: there's nothing that's been announced about it, obviously, but the 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 grassroots crawling out for yes, yes, yeah. any series, yes, taking place on Pike's Enterprise, because not just I mean Mount is the most obvious choice, but uh Ethan Peck and Rebecca Ramin also did an amazing job, fantastic, fantastic. Amazing, Peck in particular nailed, and and this wasn't just Peck; it was it was the writing, the the overly mannered complicated speech patterns that Spock had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he isn't oh. imitating Leonard Nimoy, but he's got the he's got the same tone and the body language.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his his character reminded me a lot of like the Jaws concept, which was we all are familiar with what Spock eventually becomes, right? In the blue uniform, very logical, well shaven. Well and they didn't give us that Spock. They gave us something much more interesting. Much more interesting. So they kept that the monster that is you know Jaws. They kept that away. They we they didn't want to give that away too fast. They wanted us to like and understand this Spock, and they built that character. And you were like, oh, we're not getting a carbon copy, or we're actually getting something that is more
1: meaningful than that. something that is actually you know important and interesting. So well, and this Spock that that we see in the cage is a rougher Spock. He smiled the first time we see him he's smiling i mean wow. and so his, his, his he looks different than, than later nimoy so i love it yes i i
2: i have to say i i i love watching not just the cage in the menagerie but also where no man has gone before in the first couple episodes yeah. first where we got shouty spock
1: i like how yeah, we do get shouty spock the women <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> All right, well let's uh well, I guess just into into uh, Ethan. Well, hang on,
0: so Ethan I'm House. I'm curious. I'm curious, Kate. I feel like I we we've I've I've like we completely talked. What, what did you think of I want to get your thoughts on uh on the new captain because um I feel like I've been talking too much and I haven't heard your voice in a while.
3: Well, I know how much you guys love Pike and why I love him too. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about him a lot. Yes. Yeah, yes. A lot, so. Yes. Um, So, yeah, absolutely a fantastic season with him. I certainly loved his emotional range. Uh, um, I also, I feel like when they set Pike and Leland up as this mirror versions of each other, the the Leland character didn't entirely follow through in a way that Mm, I enjoyed as much, but Mm. the Pike half of that worked really well. and I liked the framing of the season going in, knowing what Pike's future is, and mm-hmm. the way he played that. I really liked the scene with him and Admiral Cornwell in the finale, where he wants to um, stay in the room so he can perhaps, you know, escape his own future. And the the way he played that emotionally, his interplay with her, her calling him down, and realizing, nope, we can't risk, you know, yeah. ruining everything just so you can escape your fate. I loved everything they did with that. Um, and I had the thought that Leland in this season essentially loses his soul, but not his body because his body keeps going even after he was taken over. Whereas Pike, he keeps his soul, but he will lose his body. Oh. So there was that opposite thing. Wow. That's
1: very true. Very
3: true. After, That's super yeah, after deep, the Kate.
1: Mortification
0: <laughs> That's super deep. I feel like I need to chew on that for a little while.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> See, this is the reason why I needed to hear from you. I felt like, <laughs> uh, what, what are we missing? What nuggets? And if, oh man, I'm glad we didn't skip over that. We're no, all that just is like, I love nuts. Pike dancing
1: around, and Kate brings us to. Oh, that's right. That's right.
0: Well, I'm just, I yeah, I don't even know what I'm saying. So, I'm,
1: I'm, <laughs> well, let's anyway. let's dig into that. That some of the stuff that that Pike brought and that we've we've started to see. We've, we've kind of danced around this just a little bit, um, but we've gotten into. Um, to, we've we've touched on one of the main themes of this of the season, which I I put as we are Starfleet, and, and yeah. that's something that we've just we've mm-hmm. seen. Um, we we yearned for it last year, last season. We were so mad. I, I there was a lot of people mad. I was mad. Of, you know, like what's this this Lorca guy doing? Um, but now we're now we're we're seeing we are Starfleet. We have many of those moments throughout the entire season of people standing up and saying, no, this is what we have to do. Um, I you know most prominently the last. Um, like we've already mentioned with Pike, but then the last few episodes where that we're saying lots of goodbyes to different people. There's lots of respect given. Saru almost dies. Um, Michael is about to go into the future. Pike leaves. Um, I guess where, where, what is the show now trying to say? And maybe where, where are we seeing it going in the future with this same, the same theme? Mm.
0: It's a good question. Um, you know, I honestly, the first thing that I thought of when we talk about this is, like I said before, was the idea that um, we are now, as far as the showrunners go, I feel like giving us, they are confident in where they're going. And not only are they confident, they've been given at the end of the season, a clean slate to to tell new stories. And so that's what I'm most excited about here is that season two was this almost a, a palate cleanser where they said, okay, we get it, guys. We understand what you want us to do. Here's kind of the theory, the um, the, uh, the statement that we are trying to make. And now we're going to prove to you that we're willing to do that. And then at the end of the season, they literally Wipe everything clean and say, We're starting fresh. And that's exciting to me, is that like, you know, that's almost like at the snapping moment. You know what I mean? Where like, whoa, they're actually, they're doing this? Are are they going to erase it all in the first season? I mean, the first episode of next season? I hope not. I hope this is a literal, and that's what they're saying anyway, is that they're going to stay, you know, 950 years in the future. That is exciting to me. And I like that, that they've, the first season broke them. The second season built them up, showed them who they could be. And now the third season, they're being pushed out into the world to actually you know, prove that they're worthy of being able to to make a difference. And I, I find that exciting.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I just hope they can like keep the same showrunner for the whole season. Um,
3: oh, that, yeah,
2: that, man. The, yes. The biggest yeah, problem third, with, both, third group, I think. with both season one and season two is well basically yeah the, i mean the problem was the the first season you had gretchen berg and aaron harberts having to basically finish the story brian fuller started uh and then in the second season you had james duff and alex kurtz and michelle paradise finishing this the story that bergen harbert started um and and i really just hope the third season just keeps the same keeps i i, I believe it's supposed to be michelle paradise again yeah who yes who helped bring that and who co-wrote the, the finale. Um, we'll be able to keep the consistent tone cuz i mean but the biggest problem with both seasons is the 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 inconsistent tone i mean you can really see the seams in a lot in a lot of ways you know rewatching the earlier episodes of the second season where they're obviously yeah. going in one direction with the red angel and then completely shifted gears and went to a different one yes the good thing about jumping forward like that is that yes it is a, from a from a story perspective it's a clean slate from a character perspective it isn't it's mm-hmm. still the same bunch of people right in the, the thing that is most appealing about all the Star Trek shows is the characters. No doubt. And, um, this is, this is a group of characters we've become invested in. Um, you know, we, we've, you know, all of, and even, even, even the, the secondary characters we've become more invested in this season, uh, with, with the, the little bits and pieces we've gotten, um, you know, the bigger role given to the chief medical officer, uh, with, with, um, uh, Jet Reno, with, with, uh, Detmer and Owassakin doing their double act at the front of the bridge, every yes. episode. Um, and and so on. So that and and we still have all of them. We and and we've got, you know, the development of Tilly, we've got whatever it
1: is Georgiou is turning into. Um
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, that and, is an interesting that's an interesting thing, yeah.
1: thing to talk and, about and is with them? That's the biggest surprise, honestly, for me, is that she's still there. I thought when yeah. they said the section thirty-one show, I assumed, you know. And, but section
3: 31 show doesn't start till the end of season three so that gives them one of their tug points for season three is how sure. is she going to go back or however that's going to work
2: because i mean yeah they're only doing the section 31 show because of her so. right right yeah,
0: yeah um, i can't imagine i i i mean anyway maybe maybe there'll be a hook there but section 31 that seems more like we're headed back into Lorca land and I'm just not yeah. totally excited yeah. about that.
2: I, I, I honestly think it's a realizing that crap we had Michelle Yeoh and we killed our character her character off.
0: Man that was stupid. We need
3: to fix Seriously. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I've watched the when I watched the pilot of season one I'm like what the hell are you people doing? Yeah, it's Michelle I know. That was like yeah. the whole reason why I was excited originally about the show was if Michelle Yeoh was gonna be in it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm especially excited to see, like we've said, where where these guys are going and what is the current state of things in, in um, our space at the moment. So, I mean, I guess they've, they're have they going to be way off in the beta quadrant, but that they still have a sport drive. They could go back to the Federation space. I, I'm kind of just curious to see this playground. We have no ties to anything other than, you know, where have all of our, you know, the Klingons, the Romulans, the wherever, the whoever, you know. How have they developed over the last thousand years and what the heck is going on? That'll be a blast. I think it's just a fun, who knows yeah. what's going to happen, playground.
2: Which is what they should have done in the first place. The, the, exactly. Oh, the oh. The Star Trek, the, the, only, the only Star Trek TV show that has failed in the marketplace is the prequel. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, the... the For for all uh, the I mean the bad robot movies did what they were supposed to do which was which was get the general public interested in Star Trek again, Um, but that once once the Ushini wore off that that lost a lot of its luster as well. Um, The Star Trek really works better when it moves forward. That's that's what worked for the first set of movies. That's what worked for Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Um, Looking backward resulted in the only the only uh, non tos show to be canceled unexpectedly <laughs> you know um
0: what's what's fascinating about what you just said keith is that that is like that is absolutely true in on all the levels when star trek is moving forward that's when it succeeds when it starts looking back both you know like literally and you know figuratively and all those things that's when it starts to like get like why are we doing this guys why don't yeah. we look to the future like that that is what's most exciting about star trek is us as an audience learning about, you know, what, what, what could the future be? What, what thing can I learn from these people who have a different perspective than me that I can then like, Oh, I can connect my own life to that and change what I it's just, anyway, I, yes, I love that. That point is so great. Look forward, look forward. Yeah. Let's
1: we'll shift ourselves to something that Kate uh, really wants to talk about. I, I'm very curious <laughs> where she goes. I'm psyched to talk about this, this theme of family and specifically, mother uh mother daughter but we've got family no. all over the place we've got uh, we've got the serek clan uh you know extended family we've got the discovery as family um but you know spock and spock and michael especially but oh uh, and then michael's mother so let's what
3: Sarana, you think. bring us yeah. to that um mothers i thought was really interesting because father stories are all throughout literature through film through tv it's everywhere uh mothers they're there but You don't have very many Sarah Connors out there. They're often absent or they're bad mothers like your, you know, wicked stepmothers, those sorts of tropes that exist. And so uh, I thought it was really interesting that um, we have four different mothers through this season, not counting the leader on Terralisium, who was called the All Mother, like putting her aside because she's not really important to our characters. I want to cover all four of them. And I'm gonna do them on a spectrum here. Starting with Amanda, she's the loving, supportive mom who fights for her kids, who steals, you know, Spock's medical records and tries to rescue her son, and she reads Alice in Wonderland to her kids, trying to help them out. Like she is, you know, the mother who is, you know, engaged in and cares, and and is the mama bear for her kids. Uh, second, we have uh, Gabrielle Burnham, Michael's mom, who. Seems to be the opposite mom at first, but in fact, turns out she's sacrificed to save the universe, and, you know, that's kind of a big thing. Um, and then third, we have uh, Laurel, who has this weird sort of giving up her child to protect her child, but then call me mother uh, as she's the, the the chancellor and leading the Klingon uh, High Council Um and then finally we have Giorgio, who we know from the mirror universe was a mother uh, of sorts to Burnham. And now she has this dark side. Um, she's not a fan of kids and yet she has this motherlike attachment to yes. Burnham throughout the season. And I thought it was just really interesting that in, in a genre that mothers are often absent or not great. We have not one, but four here. Three of the four are intimately tied into our main character's life and inform who Michael Barnum is and her choices in different ways. And there's a range of nurturing, of absence, of questionable motives, but they're all a mother to her. And I thought that was a really fascinating and welcome exploration throughout uh, this season. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
2: Well, I like, I, I agree with, with what you said. And, and, and what, what I liked about having Laurel was the only one who doesn't really have a direct connection to Burnham, um, but I like the fact that Lorel is um, basically is the one who more or less united the Klingon Empire and turned it into the one that we're actually familiar with, yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the fractious, you know, different houses vying for position that we that we got in the first season, and that that they had obviously devolved into in some in in the century since uh, since Enterprise, um, and and I like and I like that idea that that that. That she was sort of the 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 mother who nurtured them into becoming a stronger empire, mm-hmm. um, and then as as for the other three you you're right and and that you so rarely see that and and I like the fact that basically, yes, Burnham has, in essence three completely different mother figures who all have a different impact on her um i I, I do want to also, in particular uh, give props to the casting of particularly of Mia Kirshner and Sonia Son. Mm-hmm. Uh, both did an amazing job. Go- I I have never been a big fan of the character of Amanda Grayson until Discovery, because yeah. <laughs> uh, she was basically pretty much a generic fifties housewife in Journey yeah. to Babel. Um, yes, and, uh, I mean she got more character development in The Side of Paradise when um, Spock mentioned that she was a teacher, which that was more than she in in Journey to Babel she was just basically Sarek's, you know lapdog, more yeah. or less. Um, and I like the fact that they, they didn't lean into that and just basically ignored it in <laughs> Discovery, more or less. Um, and, and Kirshner was, just did a really good job of playing a character who was trying to balance the the both the human... She, she's achieved the balance between emotion and logic mm-hmm. that neither Spock nor... Well, Spock eventually got it, like, once you get to the movie era. and the, the, But at this point in their lives, both Burnham and Spock are struggling. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then, and then in, in, in Gabrielle Burnham, you've got the heroism, mm-hmm. the person, the, the selflessness that, 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 um, and also, and, and the science background also, you know, I mean, she actually built that suit. Um, this is, this is somebody who is smart, who is, who is resourceful and who has basically given up everything in order to save the universe. Yeah. Uh, these are these are these are really awesome characters and mm-hmm. and they're all moms yeah. <laughs> and yeah and, and like you said, Kate, you don't see that merely often enough, and it's something that needs to be more of in fiction
3: right, and they're complicated, not sacred, it's yeah. not this whole you know Virgin Mary weirdness or anything like that these are complicated, <laughs> interesting women
0: yeah. You know, it blows my mind. I did not realize, and I know this is a little off topic where you're saying, but I didn't, and I should have, I don't know why, guys, but Gabrielle, right? Gabriel oh, and yeah. Michael. Oh, yeah,
3: and she's a red angel, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: man, I don't know why I did not put that together to literally you said her name. I I <laughs> totally, totally missed that. So that that blew my mind a little bit. Uh, okay. uh, discovery
2: has many virtues. Subtlety has not been one. No,
0: you're right. No. You're absolutely right. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that is that is truth. Absolute truth. My goodness yeah
1: well as we're as we're pushing forward here um what about um let's just stick with family for just a second sarah uh, not sarah what's his name spock and uh and michael where how did you we, we did not like the introduction of spock you know or the, i guess the search for spock yes seven episodes or whatever it is we didn't like yeah that
2: was we, after 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 spending putting ethan peck's face all over every oh bit gosh. of promotion we have to wait for half the season to be over before he finally shows up and has a line of dialogue. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he's not himself for the first episode and he's kind of just mm-hmm. babbling, but I guess at that point he doesn't have to live up to much. He can just be crazy guy in a cave for a little while, but right. I guess Yeah. Just his, the development of his character. What, what do you guys think? Where, where he went, how they used him and how Keith and I think we've already talked about Ethan Peck. Um, uh, you know, his acting and, and doing a good job there, but just their, their dynamic and, and along that family theme, where do we think we've gone? I loved it. I love the fact
2: that they established him as being dyslexic, which was a minor thing, yeah. but basically the smartest character in the Star Trek universe has a learning disability. Yep. Yeah. This is, this is great. This is, this is one of those, one of those little things like, um, you know, young, young African-American women seeing Uhura on the bridge of the enterprise and thinking, right. okay, that you know like little Mae Jemison saying hey I can be an astronaut too Mm
3: -hmm. um
2: and it's the sort of thing that you know people watching Discovery Now can say hey look you know I'm dyslexic and here Spock who is freaking Spock (laughs) (laughs) um is also dyslexic And, and and that was just that was such a nice touch um I love the. I love once Burnham and Spock started actually talking to each other. Yes. They said
1: it exactly like siblings, and it was hilarious. totally <laughs> the, the, the quip about you know. Do you think that beard is working for you? And, and just yeah. little things like that. Oh,
3: it's or his great. insistence that he's going with her, and she's the oh mama, That was me and my yes. brother, definitely. <laughs> yeah.
2: And and like in particular, the, the conversation they had in the gym after after Leland confessed yes. what yeah. happened to, him. and that just that was beautifully done.
0: Absolutely. one of the best character moments in the entire season oh yeah um, it, it definitely cemented the uh at first i thought why even do this spock connection this makes no sense it <laughs> it, it definitely um it it, it made a point it, it almost proved that to me like it was yeah. worth doing and they were going to do it right because of this moment it actually they did a very good job that was a great character moment for both of those characters so
1: and yeah, that yeah. ultimately they were going to be able to fix that with them going into the future and and say we we swear we will never ever be able to talk about them again Which but, yeah, but whatever, yeah, that's, I mean,
0: that, that's, that's still so that's question that's still yeah. so phimsy. it's to me it's all like why did we do this at all you know what i mean like why why why, why? was it really was it really necessary or worth it i'm it not totally far. sold that it was um but it I, it almost proved it to me that moment that almost proved to me like oh, yes okay it was worth going down this <laughs> this road so that then they would have to fix everything in canon uh moving forward with this strange <laughs> pull.
3: that was kind of a problem of this season: is they're trying to make things fit in canon They they worked a little yes. too hard and pushed it yes. a bit too hard in more yeah. than one place and we're like oh, okay we get it let's just enjoy the story and stop forcing it
2: every single new version of star trek has "Quote unquote," violated canon in some way or other. Oh, yeah. absolutely. In 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 1979, there were fans writing letters to Starlog because there was no internet then, uh, <laughs> bitching about how this has to be an alternate timeline because this isn't because uh, the technology's all wrong and it's too much like Star Wars. Nothing right. changed. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Forty years later, same thing. Um, it it you know people bitched about Next Generation when it came on the air that that mm. it was.
1: They literally changed. protested, yeah,
2: and right and left, you know. And then we went through this again eighteen years ago when Enterprise debuted, and it's just you know.
0: Well, but I, I agree with you on one level, but on the other level, like the creators of the the, the creators of the show, like intentionally put these shackles on themselves, knowing that right. they were going to be an, even more yes. under the microscope, even more choosing this particular time period with this connection to a, you know, one of the most famous not just on star trek one of the most famous characters in all of fiction do you know what i mean like people know who spock is it's it's not like do you know what i mean so that's all i'm saying is like the 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 choice that they made to put those shackles on and say yes we understand what we're going into and we're willing to push forward i still don't know that that was the the best choice but i i understand a little bit more in season two why it may have been worth doing to then shoot them a thousand years in the future. Why didn't they just do that in the f- third episode? I'm not exactly sure, but you know, it is, it is what it is. But the, the what I also particularly liked about the
2: use of Spock in this season was that it, it, it kind of filled in some of his backstory and some of his development. Um, and, and just and gave gave a little more texture to to how he got from the guy who served under pike in the cage to yes we he was serving under kirk um and 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 i liked that i liked they made it work um and peck helped a lot the the dialogue helped a lot too he sounded like spock totally when 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 he says to, to in in Back in the, in the Red Angel, um, I'm sure Captain Leland appreciates your choice of high density urethane foam in lieu of his nasal cartilage. Yes. I mean, like, yeah Perfect.
0: That's- <laughs> yeah. Totally. No. And I agree with you. I enjoy all that stuff. Oh, it, was, yeah. it was it was as as a you know a nerd sitting there geeking out like oh this is <laughs> fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. They did a fantastic job with that character, and they I really do think they lucked out in their casting, both with Spock and with. Oh, yeah. Pike. I mean, they just they just lucked out getting guys that worked. That they didn't doubly screw themselves by like writing in this character and then putting somebody on there who wasn't able to perform. So they lucked. They, they this, did this it well.
2: Is time, this is the second time that's happened. I mean, one of the things I was most concerned about with the Bad Robot movies back ten years ago yes. was you're taking three characters, three iconic characters who worked because those three actors had such good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And uh, catching lightning in a bottle is hard enough once, much less twice, and they pulled it off. I mean they did. whatever whatever the other problems with the bad robot movies is, the acting in it in all three of them was superb and and Pine Quinto and Urban just nailed those three mm-hmm. characters and pecked it again here um, i wanna, I want to also again, and I've brought her up a couple times is, is sing the praises of Rebecca Romaine, who we did not get enough of this season. Oh absolutely so agree it's so in,
0: odd so odd that uh, she's not in
2: it more. My, well, I mean, they didn't want it too much of the Enterprise and she worked uh, when, when she was there. But I was so pulling. I was pulling for the end of the season to be once, you know, they solve the red angel problem and, and God's in his heaven and all's right with the world, that <laughs> Pike goes back to
1: the Enterprise and number one
2: becomes the new captain. Oh, oh I
0: wow.
2: thought
1: I thought the same thing because yes. we've it never so seen cool. her since. Yeah. It would be amazing. yes. It's, oh. You know, we don't know what happens. And that's another reason why I want to see
2: a Pike on the Enterprise show, because we know what happens to Spike. Pike, We know what happens to Spock. We have no idea what happens to number one mm-hmm. or any of the rest of them, but in particular her. And she was such, a, I mean, she was already an interesting character in the cage. The the version that we have played by Ramin is even more interesting. And I just yes. love her entire relaxed, not relaxed, but um, um, ultra competent, yep. take charge, give no craps. Attitude without basically being goes and does, does get crap done, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I love that. You know, I mean, I mean, and 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 it, and it follows on from what we saw in the cage. I mean, she basically took it upon herself to blow up a phaser rather than without like consulting with Mike at all.
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah, she do like, No, you. sorry,
2: you. Yeah, sorry, we're. I'm. I'm. I'm not putting up with this nonsense. I'm blowing up the phaser now. <laughs> um, we're all gonna die. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and 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 Ramin, you know, picked up on that beautifully and, and yet yeah, I want more of
0: her. Yeah, and now it's, now it's over. Yeah, it's so, it is, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's so odd that they placed someone of such high profile, uh, the actress anyway. You know, you, you recognize her, she's been in other things and just, just wasn't used all that much or used effectively in a way that like would push the, the story forward. I feel like Pike made a mark. I feel like um, Spock made a mark. But yeah, you're right. Number one was there, and she was great. But I'm not exactly sure. I felt like oh, that was the 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 moment that they needed her to be there for. You know what I mean? Or, or that, that really like oh, cemented why they chose Rebecca Romaine to be in the. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed a little odd that they, that, you know. Anyway,
1: so. or even that they should have. She should have sacrificed herself instead of Cornwell or something like that to at least give us something where she goes with her character. But but that yeah, I agree.
3: But we did get her name finally. She's the That's true
1: in canon. It's yeah. true. Which which came from the novels, by the way. Yep, it did. Yeah. Um, which
2: which makes the third um character name that has come from the novels and been canonized after after
1: Sulu. Sulu and name. who's the other? Uhura. Oh, uhura. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, uh, let's, let's dig into now let's dig into the meat of this, this series. We have, we've danced around the red angel. We've talked about the red angel. Um, we've, we've talked Keith, you even mentioned the course correction that they seem to have make, have made with the red angel. Um, we get this, this faith versus science, um, Mm. thing, you know, this theme that's, that's throughout the whole season, the red angel, you know, both the imagery, the faith imagery of that matched with the fact that it's a person in a suit traveling through time kind of merges these two things. And we're dealing with lots of fate and stuff. Um, how did they handle it? I think it's, I think in general, the red angel is, is, is in some ways very interesting. And then in some ways is very mishandled, uh, from throughout the season. I, Chris, Chris and I got into a, a, a large shouting match on this one, um, <laughs> about our thoughts on this. Where, where are you, uh, Keith? And then Kate was quiet during our shouting match. And so...
3: We <laughs>
1: of kate as well so keith what what were you thinking um
2: i disagree with the premise that the theme of the season was faith versus science because they touched on it for about half a second and then ignored
1: it
0: yeah exactly yes
1: i i mean you You had had it there like fate versus science or something like that but it's it's, yeah it
2: it wasn't really i mean yes we had the angel metaphor for the first few episodes and i think this is a byproduct of of losing yeah, um, the showrunners partway through, because uh, I think what what Berg and Harberts were were going for was in fact the, the especially by you know throwing in the fact that Pike uh, Pike's father taught comparative religion, right? Which which was obviously meant to go somewhere, and then it was never mentioned again after New Eden.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I leaned in so hard with that, I was like, ooh, going yeah. somewhere. We're going, somewhere. I, we're going that, somewhere.
2: That is an artifact of of the change in showrunners, I believe. Yes, uh, uh, the. that that theme didn't really get picked up and and the 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 fact that the red angel looked like an angel uh, was pretty much ignored and honestly they never really gave us a good explanation for why that suit has freaking wings (laughs) yeah you know totally right i and for that matter how the suit could like do all the things it did Cause it did a lot more than just travel. Oh, from t-
0: oh yeah. No, no. It, I, like I say, you know, it, for some reason it, it farts red bursts and we have yeah, no but, idea why it does this. Like, I still don't understand. I still need somebody to, to explain <laughs> that to me. Like the red bursts. I still don't quite comprehend what they were or how they happened or why they happened. So they happened
2: because yeah, they there happen. was, there was a comic book story about 25, 30 years ago um, where, uh, it was it was running through the Spider-Man comic books in at Marvel, and they there was one writer who had created a new villain called the Hobgoblin, and we didn't know who he was, and he had a whole mm. plan. The writer had a whole plan. Roger Stern had a whole plan for I was going to reveal who it was, and then he left the book, and then they changed editors, and they wound up revealing that he was somebody else, a different character who was actually a long-running character in Ned Leeds. Except that didn't make sense either, and they kept, like they were running around trying to like make this all fit together and it didn't entirely work. And, uh, that this felt like that, Yes. (laughs) this, this felt like, uh, okay, we have this thing set up. We're just going to sort of shuffle the pieces around and make, try to like shove tab A into slot B, whether it fits or not. And some of it did fit just fine. Um, and I like, I like the fact that, they they got the DNA match for Michael, and yet the angel turned out to be your mom. Except then it turns out later that it was also Michael.
1: Yeah, uh, some of track. us, some of us like that a lot as well. Others of us <coughs> not so much. <laughs> but, but it didn't. It it felt it
0: wasn't satisfying.
2: <laughs> well, no, it felt to me, and, and part of this is me coming at it because I, I I can't help it. I come from it from a writer's perspective. Yeah, I feel this is how you try to fix a story that you've had dumped yeah. on you don't know how to fix it.
0: Man, that's such a good point. Man, that's such a good and,
2: point. I've had to do that as a writer <sighs> a couple of times too. Um okay, here's all these different things. Let's make them all make sense. And sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it
1: doesn't. <laughs> I think in the end it worked. Like like you said, I think in the end it worked, but honestly I didn't know I hadn't thought about when the the showrunner shift had happened. Um whether it was, you know, I, I assume it wasn't neatly between seasons, um, but they were probably already knee deep into breaking the story and stuff, but it just it, i I hadn't really put pinpointed that as a reason for why it would they started one way and then really took a hard you know left turn with things yeah. like control and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Kate, I know we uh, yeah. I think again we've not, we've skipped over you because i i <laughs> I, I said it made a statement, and then we're off on our own. So. I
3: was going to insert.
0: What do you think, Kate? Yes, please <laughs> tell us. Speak up, just I you, yell over. Push me out of the way Talk every once in a while. Yeah, mute. I'm sorry, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Kate is so much <laughs> smarter and more interesting than I am, so I'm gonna stop talking. Go ahead. No, I mean that sincerely, ladies. I really do.
3: I was going to insert a side comment about the, the, on the faith run that we do have a resurrection. That's, you know, Culber being brought back to life. Um, oh
0: man.
2: It
3: was a necessary retcon, but that let me sort of laugh at the faith versus reason that disappeared as as yeah. was pulling out there. I have that. I
1: mean, I, I, I'm fine. Let's, let, let's actually get into that one. I have that as part of my weakest parts of the season for me, not because of bringing Culber back itself. Cause I think, I like him as a character. I think he's an interesting character and you, and I think Keith, you said, you know, they fixed this stupid mistake that they had, they had killed him earlier on. I, I thought it was so ham fisted. I really didn't like how it went. I didn't like, um, I didn't like the whole spore mycelial network um, thing because they leave it. They, they, they leave it and say, Hey, we're destroying the network. We can't, we can't jump in the spore network anymore and all this other stuff. And then they jump, you know, all throughout the last half of the season all the time. Um where yeah, this how do we feel about this this Culber resurrection time?
3: And Culber needed to be returned because he shouldn't have been killed, but I don't think that he and Stamus got enough screen time. There was a lot of other things that got screen time and we've got we got some token scenes, but I think they deserve, not that they needed a lot more time, but I do think that they needed more development to really achieve full emotional resonance by the end.
2: I I agree pretty much, although I don't think his resurrection was any stupider than the Genesis planet resurrecting Spock's zombie corpse uh, being <laughs> merged with, with um, his uh, McCoy having his marbles. Um, uh, if yeah. anything, I say that, that what discovery did made more sense than the search for Spock. True. Only by comparison, but still. Um, it, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was no dumber a hand wave than anything else that they've been doing for the last 53 years. Uh, <laughs> I and, want that on a
0: t-shirt. Hand wavy hand and ha- that, hand-wavium, hand-wavium. Yeah,
2: and, 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 and as as we've all said, it corrected one of the major screw ups of season one by, by putting Discovery in entirely the wrong section of TV tropes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was so funny, like as soon as it happened, uh, uh, you know, in real time on Twitter, I think everybody's like, no, don't worry. Are their stories not over? Uh, it almost felt like they went into an immediate, like, let's damage fix this control. Yeah, damage control. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah, that, that's it. They had I mean, already I, filmed it. It was already done. And yeah. But it's so, just so fascinating to me because even doing that, even knowing that they were going to bring Culber back, I still think they did a disservice by not just how they did it, but like how long it took for Culber like, sure, let's, let's have, you know, that moment or those few days or those few episodes where he is wrestling with who he is now and his identity, or at least like shine a light on that. But the extended over the entire season, Colbert is one way and decided that it is, he is one particular, you know, one particular track. And then the last five minutes of the last episode, he decides... Oh, by the way, no, I'm not going to go on Enterprise. I decided to stay back. Felt so like I, I, I want to see a little bit more of that. I wish you know, and we talk about the fact that CBS All Access is not a network show. They can go longer than an hour. They can, you know, and they like, did. Yeah, um, so, a shorter couple. too, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm saying like, they 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 have some time to play with. I I wish we would just spend a little bit more time on that relationship because it just didn't feel like they earned they yeah. what what they were trying to do there and that's what I, the most unfortunate moments of this season for me is that they didn't quite mm, nail that characters it was it was about 80 percent of the story um, yes yeah and we needed that's 20 percent i mean the the
2: the the progression it took i think was the right one um that 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 he was yes. oh yeah discombobulated and 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 didn't know what was going on and wanted to beat the crap out of tyler which you know that was fine. Um, uh, I, look, I, put,
0: I, I think I actually put that as one of the worst moments of the season for me. But oh, I know.
2: I thought I liked that. I, yeah,
0: I, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And that was another lost opportunity because both Tyler and Culber um, don't know who they are anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's no, true. They,
2: they, was, there was room for, for developing that that they didn't really.
1: They chose just, to have Tyler and Pike have all these, you know, bromance moments yeah. rather than Hopper yeah, and Tyler.
2: Yeah, uh, the one person who has no previous connection to Tyler, yes. meanwhile, the, only, the only people Tyler interacted with were, you know, Pike, who, he, who, you know, intellectually knows that he killed somebody in the crew, but so what? Um, Burnham, who they're too busy having the world's most chemistry-free ro- romance. <laughs> um, yeah. And Loret- you know, uh, Georgiou, who doesn't care that he killed somebody in the crew, uh, and, 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 and Laurel, who's the one who sent him to kill the guy in the crew in the first place. Nobody, we don't actually see how the crew reacts to having him there, except yeah. for Pike. And Pike doesn't have the, the emotional...
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Tyler is definitely a confusing uh, element in, in, yeah. all of, in all of season two. Um, and, and they don't even know what to do with him at the end, I feel like. I almost feel like they flip a coin, like, does he stay on Discovery? And the reason why he doesn't stay on Discovery is almost it feels like, no, I got to be on a section 31, uh, television show. Like that's almost what it feels like. You know what I mean? Like, no, I got to stay behind. Sorry. I thought
1: I missed something it, like when they, when they, um, when he got off, I was like, Oh, George, Joe must be on, you know, I just was, you know, she's on the, the section 31 ship fighting, um, uh, Leland or something like that. I just, I, I realized I, I thought I must have missed something in all of this until I, I until I rewatched it and realized, Oh no, she, wait, she's on discovery and he's not on discovery. I thought he must be. That's why he's off. So he can be on the section 31 show, but whatever. Well, let's, let's just go uh, as kind of, we wrap up, let's just go best, worst, uh, you know, best episode, worst episode, things like that, just, or, or any random things that you guys kind of just want to talk about. So let's, let's go um, just best, best moments. Um, That's character moments, just fun. Star Trek moments, best moments throughout the season
3: universal translator mayhem yes. one of my favorite
1: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So i totally amazing. forgot about that Put so that in well. mind
0: so yeah. brilliant yes because that's never and we talked about this and when we did when we reviewed it but that's never been done uh oh. on that level where it's almost tower of babel you know what i mean like yeah. moment uh you got to have the one person who actually has done the work you know what i mean Who actually a know the
3: language as, well. as 94 languages were very helpful yeah. it was great
0: they set that up they set that up you know yeah. we, um, episodes before it was fa- it was it was br- it was brilliant. It really yeah. was a wonderful moment for the character of Saru, as well as just like writing wise. Like, oh, oh, this is a gimmick that's not been done in the decades of Star Trek.
3: It's great. It's great. Yeah, and My- everything to do with with Janet Reno or with Reno. You know, wow. Yeah. No, sorry, Janet
0: <laughs>
3: Reno. <laughs> that's wow. Where, where are we? Okay,
0: go ahead. Yeah, so Jet Jet. I think Jet Reno. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: They had to give her that name, so yeah, it's not yeah. it's not Kate's fault. <laughs> no.
3: Go ahead, Keith.
2: My 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 favorite moment of the entire season was, and I've never said this about a TV show ever, and probably never will again, was the previously on Star Trek bit at the top of its memory. Right. That right. blew me away. Yep. And and I found out later that that was in fact Alex Kurtzman who who thought who 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 it was his idea.
0: Well, that's um, that's encouraging. The,
2: the guy, who, the guy who put the editing, uh, who edited the clips together, posted on Twitter uh, and and talked about it. Said the hardest part was tracking down because there are a few people in those clips who are still alive. Not very many, but there are a few, and they had to get permissions to use their the oh, footage. For a minute, um, and uh, but that that was such a wonderful moment of. of mm-hmm. Firmly establishing that discovery, you know that 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 the cage is something that happened previously, and in particular, a very big middle finger to the people who said discovery can't possibly be in the same timeline, um, which I appreciated. Um, yeah, and and it just it they did such a good job of creating a sequel to the cage there. Um,
1: oh in every way know,
2: little things like having burnham find the little the, the vibrating flowers and 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 the telosians are still basically assholes and <laughs> um, and 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 just the 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 emotion that, that pike went through being reunited with Vina again uh was just so beautifully done but the, just that moment we were previously on star trek and seeing the clips and i was just whoa that yeah. is just pure nerdish awesomeness there
0: but like you said it it was it's a salute and an acknowledgement of like almost respect to what came before they're not saying oh we don't like that we're doing something cool and new it was it was very much a good moment of like oh yeah remember this this thing that you liked um well yeah we're still doing that thing this is still what we're we're doing um and and it was it was great it was so well done no, i don't know that i've ever s- been so surprised at an opening of a show ever um, to be like what? What are they doing? They're they're using the it's the wrong I mean, music. It, it's the wrong music. It's the wrong actors. And are is this confusing <laughs> the audience? You because me I you know I'm I'm familiar. But honestly, like I would imagine if if you've never seen the original series or even the Cage, which is, is a possibility,
1: the Cage, yeah, yeah, you
0: might you might not even know what was happening there but they went for it anyway and they did no explanation. They just said previously on, and here we are in the, you know, it was amazing. To be fair, They're showing it on a website that also has the cage
2: right there for you to click on yep. it and watch it.
1: Sure. Sure. I
2: don't know if they have the cage as part of
1: it, but, uh, but definitely the man. I know Netflix has the cage. I don't know if I would assume all access does, but yeah, it
2: probably does. I just, I haven't investigated to be sure. Yeah. But, but the point is, that, I mean, they've got the whole catalog, back catalog there right there on all access anyhow. So you, it's easy enough to find if you, if you so, so desire. But people
0: are lazy, I guess is my point. Yeah. And they just decided <laughs> to do it anyway. You know what I mean? Like they
1: just, there was no like, oh no, we're going to. Oh, but somebody might not have seen this. We shouldn't show this thing. Yeah, they it could have. Seems they like
0: what, themselves out of it. what executives would have done or producers would have said yeah. like, no, no, no. We shouldn't do this because it'll confuse our audience. No, they just went for it. It was wonderful. That was a great. Yeah, thing. I agree. Chris, what about you? Um, for me, you know, I, I, you've already mentioned a couple of them that I, I really liked. I, I really enjoyed the rotisserie hallway sequence. Oh, um, that was so good! I thought that was one of the most amazing. Finally, Michelle Yeoh got to do her, you know, fighting stuff. Like, oh, that's what we have, Michelle. You know what I mean? Like, that was that was a great that was a great moment. And I think you know we've already said this, but the new characters: Pike, Spock, Jet. I, I just, was, is Jet still on Discovery? She is, right?
1: She's, yeah. yeah, she's on the ship, yep. Yes. Yeah. She's the so one like, who made
0: the time crystal work. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh boy. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, we so, haven't mentioned the time crystals time yet. Time crystals <laughs> are on my, yeah, that's on the list. Um, so, uh, sp- those three um, were, were incredible and then my, my biggest thing that I enjoyed, the best moment for me was that they actually had um, the, uh, the, the fortitude to kick the discovery into the future. That is the most surprising moment and the willingness. I hope, I hope this is not a, we're going to reverse this. I really do hope that we stay 950 years into the future and tell that story. Uh, that's like exciting it. to me.
1: Yeah. It seems like that's what they're doing. Kurtzman is, Kurtzman is pretty, pretty well saying we're no longer shackled, but we'll see. At the very least, that's,
2: uh, that's likely to be what they're going to do for the third season. Whether it stays beyond the third season is anybody's guess. But sure. I mean, I, I don't think they really, you know, considering the second season didn't go the way everybody expected it to either. <laughs> so, but I think at the very least, that's what the overarching story of the third season is going to be, is Discovery in, in the 33rd century or whatever. So
1: It's incredible. Yeah. Well, where I'm at, I, you guys have really said all of mine um, except I, I we've just mentioned her but but Tignataro's Jet Reno much <laughs> like I I want to do like any scene with her. I, I just started writing them down and it was every every single time she spoke. I had her written down as, as part of my favorite moments. She just especially when combined with Stamets and when they just are horrible to each other in the best way.
0: Yeah, the most yes. the most charismatic brother sister relationship you could possibly imagine, like and I just want to, <laughs> I, I want to, I want to be in that room where they just insult one another and do smart things like i I would see that buddy comedy half an hour sitcom with them 100%. sitting in engineering or you know whatever it is, and them just arguing about stuff, and you know every once in a while instant Tilly walks in and you know. It makes things more awkward yeah yeah it would be amazing it would be amazing
3: the star trek version of bill nye the science guy for kids and just
0: There you, go. There you go. i'm so down dude. that would be so funny can you imagine like a like a legit she's actually talking to the camera tignatara walks in as jet reno and just is like well good good evening ladies and gentlemen today i'm going to teach you about spore drives so how yes. do we do it? you know what i mean like and she just walks you through i would li- i would watch that show as dry as yeah, that, that, that would really be, saying,
1: would be i like science or or you know yes. yeah yeah, exactly i'm down. anyway i'm sorry and
0: one one thing
2: i also want to mention is just how how good the dialogue is on the show um, yeah so many yes. lines you know from it, for, for whatever reason one of my personal favorites was was um uh it was in project daedalist where where they're trying to convince pike uh, of something, and he says, "What is it about the look on my face that suggests I changed my mind?" Yes, <laughs> yes, oh. yes. And, and although, and... although my that that was my second favorite pipeline. My favorite pipeline was was when um, the Section Thirty-One ship just sort of shows up with all its advanced tech uh, when they're when they're trying to uh, save uh, Culber, and, or well, they're trying to save Tilly, and I wind up also saving Culber. And he says, "We will talk about this later <laughs> at length." Yes.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: I mean, Pike has been a very affable character up to that moment, um, but what j- just the the way he says at length makes you think I don't want to screw with this guy. Yep.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But I also want to know what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, he yeah, was, had course, so many.
2: really discuss it at length, but that's. Not... <laughs> yeah. but... I
3: also liked the the visual wrestling match between Pike and Saru, and Saru won't get out of the captain's chair. Um, and, and Pike's... Pike. Oh three, yeah. Excuse me, my chair or. Are... Yep, um, yep, back and forth. Saru is might be my favorite character of the show, and so I've tried to not spend this whole time talking about Saru, but um, um, there were a lot of moments throughout this season that I really liked, and um, I, I felt like his um, um, his relationship with his, his sister brought a lot to the season his relationship with with burnham gave us his big transformation episode i mean well, I, really
1: speaking of family that they are they are brother and sister in so many ways mm.
3: absolutely and he is my hope for the captain's chair for season three and a lot of people are after michael but i if if we can't have number oh, one be I, I want uh saru to be captain
0: and i think i mentioned I, this to you i guys. wanted saru
2: i wanted saru for this season
0: yeah, well, and, and this, is, this is what I was saying to these guys, I think. I can't remember if it was before we got on or if we were recorded yesterday, but like at the end of season one, Saru's in the captain's chair, and at the end of season two, Saru's in the captain's chair. So keep the damn thing. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it be so strange for him not to be in the captain's chair. It almost seems like they want to subvert that expectation. Sure, Michael is the lead character, but that doesn't mean that she needs to be the captain. She can
1: continue to – I also don't think she wants it you know i, think, well, I think that would be weird for her character
3: to have it yeah yeah she, i also like the fact that this is our first non-human Starfleet yeah. captain leading up a flagship show like that's that's big yeah yeah, yeah. and the saru is
2: really the, the most star Trekky character on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: he that's true. what Spock did for, for the original series. He gives us the outsider perspective. He's a little bit more, you know, uh, giddy you know, with life and he sings. I guess Spock sings a little bit.
3: Giddy with life and he sings. Wow. No, but honestly,
1: <laughs> I don't think the song during Plato's
3: Stepchildren yeah. really counts. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's true, that's true. <laughs>
3: this is Saru, like he went out for beers with the, the friends drink. and, you know, got loaded and started karaoke. Oh, uh, yeah, that episode.
0: <laughs> but, but Saru actually did go through... A a wonderful character arc um, during this uh, entire season, which was, you know, especially the the
3: complete arc in in many respects. And even through
0: season one to season two, going from the one who is always fearful and unsure of himself, also hurt by Michael's betrayal. um, And then here in season two, losing his threat ganglia and being able now to really step into a role and not only... Be sure of himself, but also help be a savior for his people. Um, I think you know his dealing with the sudden like shift and saying he now he's so confident in himself he doesn't want to go overconfident. And then, you know, that cause hurt and pain, which he does. He, he, you know, he allows the fight between Tyler and uh, Colbert to happen in the mess hall. And so he, he learns from Pike in that moment about what leadership is. Um, and so that's what he's been learning. I mean, that, he has the best arc when it comes to learning what leadership is and wanting to be a good leader um, than anyone else in the show. And that is what makes at the end of the day, a wonderful Mm -hmm. captain. And I think it would be weird if he just got to the other side of this thousand years and said,
3: you know what? Go ahead, Michael, it's all you. You
0: know what I mean? That'd be
3: a little strange. Yeah, yeah. Pike doesn't really change throughout the season. I mean, he's facing down a future, but he doesn't really change. Saru has a full arc. Burnham just gets the crap beaten out of her emotionally throughout the whole, you know, losing person after person or people. She loves being threatened. Like she just gets brutalized emotionally through the whole season but her nearly
1: dying, uh, yeah. you know, multiple times ha- sacrificing herself or nearly. Oh yeah.
3: Right. Right. And so, uh, he, he's the, I-, I think, um, she didn't change as much as he did though. She had a lot happening to her, which was part of what made her compelling watching. Also just Sonequa Martin-Green is just amazing oh. to watch her yeah. visually okay. connect and emote. She is fantastic. Um, and so we got different things through those major characters throughout this season, and um, we could certainly wish for other characters like Colbert to have gotten as developed of an Arcus Saru got, but um, in the end, he is still a secondary character. Well, and this just my favorite
1: line of the entire season, other than some, some just great Pike ones, was Saru saying to Pike, the, Starfle- the Starfleet manual offers no regulatory guidelines for interactions between humans with Klingons grafted to their bones, and a ship's doctor returned from the dead. And he says it with such snark, like, yeah. what's <laughs> the manual going to have me do when these two people start fighting? Like, it's the best. It just... I and love- he's right. <laughs> Yes! Yes.
3: What do you do with a turducken
0: on your ship? So so we've been calling lovingly Tyler, the turducken uh, of the the show.
3: I-09 used it in one of the reviews. That is very fitting. Yes,
0: yes, that's fantastic. I I love
2: it. I I, I had not heard that and I'm going to probably steal that
0: now. (laughs) Yeah, right?
1: That's great. the only the only real I think weak thing that we haven't talked about, uh, the, it, and really it's just a line. Um, we've we talked about great lines, and then we get yum yum. Uh, oh yeah. By non, yeah which is just, I don't, I don't, I still don't get it. I, I, I rewatched think that, that episode, more than I do. You guys are
3: really down on on that.
1: I hated it. It's not yeah. even like I liked I liked the idea that they were that that so this is where um Giorgio and Nan are about to go in after Leland and I love that. I loved that they were gonna go after him. I love that I even love the whole like I was fine with her I think calling him a meat bag or something like that, but or an AI meat bag. But I, I couldn't get around non nonsensically saying yum yum as they're about to break on a door. That didn't make any sense to me.
0: Yum yum it's fine. Yeah, it's just one of those moments. I've I've let that go, but it does it does stick out like a uh like a paper cut a little bit when yeah. you're watching the rest of that 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 episode is so fantastic. It's like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah. I'm done. Okay, sure. I was probably one of those things that looked really good in the script and just didn't work in yeah. yes exactly well i just don't we don't know enough about that character to be honest of all the characters that yeah. have been the, the she's the one that we know the least about other than than she wants to stay on you know what i mean
2: although at the very least she survived and wasn't an incompetent moron which puts her true? one above. of one, the last two security chiefs the ship had so <laughs> that's yeah. true that's very, very true accurate <laughs> yes. And she's
1: still on uh, for, for Discovery, right? I mean, she's on. Yes. Still? Yeah. She so. stayed on board
0: yeah. the Discovery.
1: That'll yeah. Yeah. be interesting. Well, uh, any other tops? Any other best things?
0: Uh, no, I mean, I, there's a lot there. I mean, this is an entire season of shows, but I think we've done a pretty good job of, of hitting the highlights. But no, I, not for me. Oh,
2: anyway. I, like, I, I, I love the fact that, and this, this isn't really, well, it sort of is. I love the fact that, that um, Tilly was able to say that uh, she was a fan of David Bowie and they actually sang Space Oddity. Yes, and yes, finally have amazing. a Star Trek production that is willing to shell out the money for the rights for these things.
1: Yes. And and quite a few mentions, uh, they mentioned the Beatles, they mentioned Prince, they, yeah, they sing David Bowie for a second. I loved, I loved it.
2: But, you know, it it, it got frustrating because like, you know, on every previous one, everybody always likes classical music or jazz or stuff that's in the public domain. Right. Right. Yes, that's
0: true. That's so true. Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah, no, that's true. That's, yeah, that's true. it's
2: nice to to have uh, somebody actually like something else. And also... I'm sorry, having having two Star Trek characters sing Space Oddity was like one of the high points oh. of everything. Oh okay. good. That was yeah, funny.
3: I think Kinoble for Sharon is probably my favorite episode if I had to pick one, because we have that fantastic moment. We've got Saru's whole thing going on. Like there's so many things that happened in that episode.
2: That was number one's first
1: appearance. Yeah. It was because she that's where she orders the, the hamburger with the, the habanero sauce. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yep. And and that's also where we got Jet Reno and, and Stamets and yep. Tilly together in a room doing science for and I think know. they're
1: stoned for a few seconds
0: too oh yeah they're on. on yeah they're on mushrooms that's right yes yes right. yes yes, yes, yes.
3: later uh yeah.
0: Mishap
3: episode like so many things some now. great moments
0: in that episode no, episode. episode no yeah. doubt no doubt yeah. no doubt well I you know actually there is one more thing I should we should mention and it's a wonderful geek moment one of the best moments I, th- I think was the actual reveal of the enterprise um bridge yeah like that, they went. Yes, down, you know what I mean. Like that—that that was that was a moment. I, it felt like they weren't going to give that to us. It just felt like it was going to be kind of off. Like we're just going to have to imagine it inside the ship. But no, they—they they oh. built that. It looked, it worked, which was just stunning. I, I, was, I really appreciated it.
2: It was a remarkable combination of what you know, what the Enterprise looked like fifty three years ago. Yes, and with with a. 2019 sensibility in, in how it was constructed. It, it melded the two perfectly. Um, the, they actually used some material, uh, was given to them by James Cauley, who uh, owns the Star Trek set tour where he's recreated the Desoluse set. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Um, and, and James uh, has done an amazing job of recreating. If, if, to anybody listening to this right now, if you ever find yourself in upstate New York, New England, or Eastern Canada, get yourself to Ticonderoga it I is heard. Absolutely worth it to see what james has done recreating and it's not recreating the enterprise it's recreating the set so he's recreated you know what the studio set looked like from 1966 to, to 69 uh mm. that the actors worked on mm. uh
1: and it's just and it's, really it's filmed quite a few of the, the fan films haven't there at least the axonar ones i think well the no not Axonar, uh, no um I mean, not exactly yeah, it would be X, um,
2: yeah. no but uh james used to do new voyages um, new voyages that's what it is and but uh, and, and and he used a lot of the same material he used uh, for the fan films uh in recreating this but uh once he decided once he he stopped the fan film and just decided to basically open a museum more or less um, uh he got much more uh, intensive <laughs> in terms of recreating uh what the original looked like and uh and he he provided a lot of the material because he's been able to track because a lot of the stuff that they used was stuff that was like lying around in 1966 but doesn't exist anymore right, right? and so finding like the little the buttons and stuff the buttons
1: yeah that With was a little jewels good. yeah
2: and some other stuff too that, that that he provided for for that for that recreation um, and it was just it was gorgeous and they built the whole damn set so they've got to do a miniseries That's okay. it's,
0: it's so strange to see them pour that much money into a set they only used for two effectively two episodes um, yeah so it's just it's crazy it's 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 crazy and I loved I have to say I have to love George's. Uh, when she came in, yeah. orange, really? You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> that, that, that was, it was great. It was great. What a great, like, it just, yeah. it, it's it's everything you want it to be. It's like, literally, they're like, we're going to have fun. And then we're also going to put whipped cream on top. You know what right? I mean? Like they just went ahead and just went all, well, all they in
1: and they did The weird swirly thing by Spock Station. And they had, the, you know, the, yes. even the multicolored lights that do nothing. Yes, yes. They yes. raised them up above the stuff that actually shows real things. but But they kept them... I I thought it was just so such good fan service, but also worked. Yeah, Yeah. it was more than the fan service. Closing shot, the reverse of the opening shot of the cage of pulling out of the dome. There, yeah. Oh, it's It's true.
0: That's true, man. I hadn't even thought about that, Keith. But you're absolutely right. That's that's amazing. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten that. Wow. Oh, discovery. (laughs) I know, right? <laughs> I fall in love with you more and more. Oh. I have conversations <laughs> with people and their perspectives, and I just, oh, I love it. It's fantastic.
1: Well, Kate gave us a Noble for Sharon for, for best episode. I, yeah. Chris, where are you on, on best episode?
0: Project Daedalus is my favorite episode. Um, we get our, um, I, I just, I, I think that that is such a well crafted story. Um, I enjoyed seeing um, uh, just how they began to put the pieces together. And this is before we got like the solidified, like this is what the red angel is. So for me, it was like in that moment of like uh, still unsure where we're headed for the rest of the season. But I just, I honestly, what I love most about it is the direction by Jonathan Frakes. I think that show just moves in a way. And I say this on the, on, on next trick all the time, but that show that whenever he edits, it moves at such a pace that I just, I'm on the edge of my seat the entire time. He knows how to move the camera, how to give direction. He understands uh, how to edit a show. And it just is, it's wonderfully well put together. So for me, it's Project Daedalus.
2: Keith, what about you? Uh, um, I'd probably, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it the best, but um, I'm gonna go with favorite, which was If Memory Serves, just because of uh, the, the, the Menagerie tie-ins. Uh, yes. But, and and to the to the amazing job that Edson Mount did in in in, in, a, in a season of full of amazing performances. of his yes. album, that was mm-hmm. um and and that also that episode also had um, the mess hall sad fight between yep. Tyler and Culber. Um, which I like. I like that. And, and and it showed that that bringing it wasn't just as simple as bringing colbert back. That there was it was going to be more complicated than that. Yeah. Um and and starting to see the new improved Saru um, you know, with the with the line that, that you quoted before about, about how the Starfleet manual doesn't have any guidelines <laughs> for, for this particular situation. Um, ah, <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, and all of that, you know, the, the 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 that was. Um, I I just I loved all of that, and and, and it's it's hard because it was really one ongoing storyline, and there are very few episodes that really, I mean, very few, none of them really work entirely on their own as true. As,
3: so it's, it's true i had similar trouble picking one and eventually yeah. i just picked the one that had the best collection of favorite moments in it because it's sort of like a soup you can pick out the ingredient that you don't like for like a worst episode but with the best it's the combination of all the good things it's with a serialized yeah. storytelling it's, it's a lot harder to pick it out
0: yeah totally
1: and that's for that same reason for um, Sharon and, and uh, it's Karen, not Sharon. I keep saying Sharon. Uh, if memory serves was, was one of mine, but I think I stuck with such sweet sorrow, such sweet, shut, such sweet sorrow was uh, the first part, especially is just so filled um, with, with these amazing moments between Michael and the crew. And um, the only thing I can't, I, I could pick out of that was, was the weird, abrupt make up make out scene with her and Tyler. But um <laughs> then, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I love that episode. And just and, and it's her making this decision to, you know, this is about to happen. And she gets her last moment with her parents. Um and I think it's it's that emotional climax to the season that we uh that we really needed. So well, if there's nothing else, I think that's this brings us to the end. Um Keith, can you tell everybody where to where they can find you on the internet?
2: Uh best Way to do that is to go to decandido which is d e c a n d i d o dot net, which um, looks like a website that was created in 1996 for which I apologize in advance, <laughs> um, but it's basically a link dump. It's 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 nice. where you it's it's where you can find all the all the all the various methods of cyber stalking me are available at decandido. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: there you the, go. That, do, you, that, do you encourage the the cyber uh, stalking? Is that pretty much? Incur- yeah. Okay. Great. So I'm sure.
2: My most recent. Uh, books are available for to order there as well as just general links to me on amazon bnn indie bound and other book uh sites there's links to my blog to my facebook page to my twitter feed to my instagram account to my wikipedia page to my stuff on tor.com um the podcast that i did for a long time and haven't done in a while but the link's still there anyway um And, and all that other stuff. So uh, that's the best way to find me. I update my blog uh, pretty regularly. I post on Facebook quite a bit and all my, all my posts on Facebook are public. So it's easy enough to follow me around. Um, And, and I, I, I do the Twitter and the Instagram thing as well. So um, that that's the best way to do it. Just go to decandido.net. Fantastic.
1: Thanks for joining us and and everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, Again, interact, let us know uh, what you thought you can get in touch with us on Actually, this is, this is the first time I'm saying this one. You can get in touch with us. We have, we have, uh, we're in the midst of changing our name of our podcast actually right now we are, we're about to become the geek card check podcast. And, uh, so on Twitter we are now at geek card check and then on Facebook at the geek card check podcast as well. So let us know what you've thought. Um, and are we crazy? Do we miss something that you wish we had talked about? Um, it, the people who uh, who had interacted with us on Twitter pretty much said the same the same stuff, which is why I didn't mention it up until now. They loved <laughs> such sweet sorrow, and uh, and also I, I forgot uh, they, <laughs> they loved uh, such sweet sorrow. They they loved uh, noble for chair, and they, those were our, our big responses um, for both of those. So yeah, as always, follow us there. Let us know if we're crazy, and uh, just keep up with the changes. They're they're coming soon, but we're hoping to have a lot of fun uh, in the next few months with uh, with Geek Card Check. So as always, thanks once again, Keith, and uh, live long and prosper.